Let's look at the Word of God for a, a brief period here. I'm going to uh, talk to you this morning from uh, the love commandment. I've been really uh, just uh, amazed and fascinated with the love of God. I was told by the Lord, I think it was, I don't know, some time ago, I've forgotten exactly which month, but the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, uh, uh, as I was telling him how much I loved him, how much I loved him, and you know, you just kind of go, go wild with that if, you, if you've ever done that. You're just so caught up and you're just telling him how much you love him. And he told me what I was experiencing uh, was not my love for him, but his love for me. And it really just totally changed my perspective. And uh, I, I want us to understand that you and I thrive in a loving atmosphere. We all, we thrive in a loving atmosphere. And what we want most of all is to be loved. Uh, you may find somebody who really wants to make a lot of money, and I mean, why not? But they can make a lot of money, and it will not satisfy them at all. It will not be enough if they're not loved. I heard a, a, several decades ago, a very wealthy man said, success is nothing unless you have someone you love to share it with. And I believe this is what God is showing me, and I trust he's showing all of us, that to be loved by God is more than all the world's wealth, to be loved by God, and to be loved by someone. But if you are a person who feels as though you have no one, no human being, no, that really special person to love you like you want to be loved, know this, that God loves you the way you want to be loved and the way you ought to be loved. In uh, 1 John chapter 3, I want to go back and sort of recap some things, if you don't mind. I would like to recap some things. And, uh, and I will go through these things sort of uh, fairly rapidly, because a lot of times we, we don't take notes uh, when we're in church. A lot of us don't take notes. We just... Uh, depend on our uh, uh, memory. And, um, you know, if, if you can lose your keys and not know where to find them, you may not want to depend on your memory. You know, but, but a lot of times we do that. And, and I would say if you don't uh, take notes, you ought to, you ought to uh, tape, you know, you can tape the services or you can uh, get a CD and listen to it again. I believe it will bless you. Uh, John, First uh, John 3.23 says, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And so God has commanded us to love him. And in this church, we know that what God speaks into you, you become. All right. And so when you, your heart is open, God gives us a commandment by the Holy Spirit. He speaks that into us. And um, in verse 24 says, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. Uh, that's a, a powerful, powerful statement that if you will obey God, he says, if you will keep his commandments, you cannot keep God's commandments without obedience. He says, he, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us. How? By the spirit whom he has given us. So we know several things from this. We know that we do not keep God's commandments by our own strength or intellect. We keep God's commandments by what God has done in giving us 
at salvation a new heart and his spirit. And when he gives us a new heart, he gives us a new start. That means that the old Jeremiah 17 heart is not in control anymore. There are believers who are still quoting Jeremiah 17 saying the heart is desperately wicked who can know it. That's not my heart. That was my old condition. But it's not my present condition. Oh, it's there somewhere because there's what we call cleavage. When we are, when we are, are saved, uh, we have a, 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 now a, a divine nature and we have a human nature. We have that human nature. But the, the, the divine nature is the one in control. And what we want to do is follow God. And the less we feed the, the human nature, the less it controls. And so the scripture says that uh, we know that God lives in us. He dwells in us. He remains in us because of his spirit that he has given to us. Now, so we know because what? We, we have the Holy Spirit. So then we know that God lives in us because we have the Holy Spirit. Now that actually, it affects me, it informs me. It informs me greatly because I, I am not the person I used to be because I know something. When I'm down, when things don't go my way, when sometimes it's as though uh, the people in your life, whomever they may be, are just trying to mess with you. Sometimes that happens, maybe it's on the job or whatever, or a relative, maybe a distant relative, you know. Whenever that happens, whenever that happens, I always, almost, almost always, if not always, will say to myself, immediately, come on, you can deal with this. You can handle this. Why? Because of the Spirit of God who lives in me. Now, when I say the Spirit of God lives in me, then I, I, I draw the conclusion that God lives in me. So God is Spirit. So he can't give me a bit of his spirit. He gives me himself. Now, I may lay hold of, as it were, some aspects, but God lives in the believer. And because he is spirit, he can live in all the believers and is not diminished. So, now Jesus Christ, we have, uh, through whom we have access by faith into this amazing grace in which we are now standing. We are now standing in grace, or you're sitting in grace, whatever. But standing means your position in God. You are standing in grace. It's through Jesus Christ. And he says we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope uh, of all that God has expressed toward us. We rejoice in our expectation that we will arrive fully at that place. That's, what God, that's the love of God that is doing all of that for us. So whenever I'm in trial, now I remember years, years ago, I would be in trial, and boy, I thought, this is going to just trip me up. I'm just going to, Don Lavelle, you're going to act crazy, and you're going to go to hell. I remember being a young, young man saying that. You're going to go to hell. That's what you're going to do. You're going to act crazy. But the Lord shared with me one day, no, you're not, because I'm going to get you to my throne. I'm going to get you to my presence. So God's Spirit now lives in the believer, and, uh, and the believer doesn't have to worry about that. We should concentrate on believing what God has said about us. So he says that we glory uh, not only in that, but we glory in tribulations. We glory 
in those things because we know tribulation produces something in us. So we glory in it. We're excited about it. We're, we're happy about it. We boast in it. We don't, we don't fear difficulty. Why? Because tribulation produces perseverance. That means you're able to go through all kinds of difficulties and are not destroyed. I've, I've said many times that those of us who are here, many of us, or a good number of us, have gone through things that would have landed us in an asylum somewhere. That you, you, your life has been so difficult at times that you could have been committed to a, a, a ward somewhere in the hospital, but you're here. And this perseverance that you and I, uh, that has been produced in us, it, and perseverance uh, produces character. It's mean, it means godly character. So you become more like the Lord. I, I can imagine that when you were younger, you complained all the time about your life in Christ. Why, why, why? But now you just take it and you know that, that you have become more like Jesus than you ever were before. And it's because of what God has gotten you through. And it is the love of God that has gotten you through that. And so character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. So God produces hope in you. So then now you are a bastion of hope. You are a place where hope lives. That's how I look at that. Hope lives in me. So, so how can I be hopeless? It's an impossibility. It's what we call an oxymoron. I'm not hopeless. Hope lives in me. And so you, you need to start to see things from God's perspective. And when you begin to see from God's perspective, then you will experience what God expects. Yeah. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God, what? There we go again. So hope will never disappoint you because what? The love of God has been, past tense, has been poured out in our hearts, in your heart, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who he has given or who was given to us. And so we find that the Holy Spirit has been gifted to you. And when he did that, it was the love of God that was poured out copiously, generously, without measure in your heart. It's the love of God that sustains us. I'm totally aware of that. If you're here and you go through, bout, uh, go through bouts of depression, and I uh, know believers do that, and I sure will, will never minimize that you know but if you go through that you need to hope in God you know you need to believe in God expect God right because he has given you himself when the Bible says he's given us his spirit he has given us himself wow that's so big for me so these are not just words these are words of love words of hope words of, of char the character of God. Now let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And uh, I read it last time in Spanish, and I'm going to try to do that again today if, if uh, time permits. Because I think in Spanish you have some nuance of meaning that are different than, than the English. The English is good, but the Spanish is really, it's uh, like poderoso, you know? really powerful. And as a matter of fact, I said a number of years ago when I was trying to learn Spanish, and I'm still trying, 
But I remember saying, uh, our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters have really let us down. Oh, yeah, I whacked them good. I, 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 I. Uh, you know, they let us down because if, when you read the Spanish Bible, it gives you some nuance of meaning that English doesn't give. I said, and you should have been telling us all these good things. <laughs> you should have been telling us all these good things. All right, let's read. And 1 John 4, 11, uh, 1 through 11. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. By this you know that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, agrees, and speaks uh, uh, that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess uh, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now, let me show you something. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. It's in the world, that, that same spirit. We hear it on television. If you watch television, you listen to radio, the spirit of Antichrist is here. It's a, it's a crazy thing. And I think sometimes we believers are a little too uh, nonchalant. You know that word nonchalant, like carefree, act like a goose, you know, <laughs> You know, looking around, you know, not, not aware of what's going on around you. We just almost take it for granted. Oh, sorry. You know, we don't, we don't know this is the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit uh, that wants to replace Christ, the spirit that is against Christ. Both are, are good understandings. The spirit that wants to replace Christ. I, I want to be Christ. I want to be, be God, you know, or, or I'm God. There's no Jesus Christ. I am the person you ought to listen to. That's, that's craziness is already here. We hear it every day, but we have almost become immune to it. You know what I'm saying? We have almost become immune to it. I hear it constantly, not only on television, but, but in my daily interactions. It's amazing. And so we know that, that this spirit that does not really acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God, or they don't acknowledge, if, if I acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh, when I really grasp what this means, then I will comport myself, I will conduct myself accordingly. And so just, if I say, yeah, I believe in Jesus came in the flesh, but I do not c conduct myself, I have not fulfilled what the scriptures say. Are you with me? So, so then it, I must have a, a conduct that is corresponding with my words. If I don't, I still don't believe. That's what the uh, scripture is trying to say. Now listen, in 1 John 2, 23, says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So you, you can, uh, especially, and when I talk about television, I'm not anti-television. I've got television, you know. I'm not anti-television. I'm not trying to tell you it's a one-eyed demon, as one brother said to me once. I'm not saying that. Maybe some one-eyed demons are using it, but... But, but he says here, uh, who, uh, no one who denies the Son has the Father. So then those, quote-unquote, religions that do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, they do not have the Father either. So they can talk about God, but they do not have God any, if you're a part of any religion and you're listening to me uh, that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ, we n have come to believe and to know that you don't have the Father. And so John tells us, whoever confesses the Son has a Father also. So if you want God, whatever you call him, if you want God, whatever he's named in your language, you must have the Son to have him. That's the reality. 
And so John wants us to know this, and so he tells us in an emphatic way. And when we say emphatic, we mean he, we mean he emphasizes. It, it's a good punch. It's, it, it's, a, a, it's stressed. It is stressed that you must have him. Okay, now this, we're still talking about the love of God. This is the love of God expressed. So God doesn't want me to be lost, so he tells me over and over, and he punches it, he embeds it into me, he drums it into me, he inculcates it into me. So whatever you want to use. So he does, he inculcates that love, so that I am now well adjusted, I'm thriving, regardless of what's around me, regardless of the adversity, I am thriving in the midst of adversity. Yeah. Why? Because God's love for me. And when you know that God loves you, you'll, you'll act differently. You'll walk differently. Yes, you will. You won't need somebody with, with skin on, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. So he says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And this is what he's saying. When you confess that, and we have confessed that with our words, we've confessed it with our lives, and what we know is that God lives in us. That, that's, I don't know about you, but that's mind-blowing to me. That's mind-blowing to me, you know, or overwhelming to my mind is what that means. So, so, so the, the fact that God lives in me, wow. He lives in me by his Spirit. Now, I'm confessing Jesus, and my lifestyle corresponds with that. He says, yeah, God lives in you, stays in you. He has a place in you. God has taken residence in you. That's big. That's big. You know, God, God remains in me, and he's not going anywhere? Wow. And then he says to us, you are of God. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. He's talking about those false prophets. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He says, and uh, you are of God. Why are we of God? Because we are born ones of God. We, are, we have been adopted, yes, but that's one relationship. But this, uh, this uh, relationship that I'm talking about right now is that you and I are born ones of God. Now are we children of God. Now are we children of God. It, that ch word children indicates a born one. And the Greek is technon. We are born ones of God. And we have overcome them. Why? Because, because we are born of God. And we, now that we are born of God, we are, in this sense, like God. Now, we are not God. And you have to say that because there's always some naysayer who will take your words out of context. So we find ourselves, you know, de uh, defending everything we say because there's always that spirit of the Antichrist who wants to take things out of context. But now we have the Spirit of God. We are born of God. So, so I have my Father's DNA. I have my Father's DNA. So uh, the, the, I, I'm not like him in complexion, but I am like him in almost uh, every way. When I was growing my mustache, everybody said, you look like your dad. I said I was in the mirror, and I thought, I look like my dad. Right? I walk like my dad. I, you know, I, I really I walk like my dad. And so I, I'm cognizant of the fact, I'm aware of the fact that I walk like my dad. So when I walk down the hallway, I try to make sure I don't hit this side of the wall and that one. You know, because it, it's in me to just hit this side of the wall and bump the other one and walk down the hallway. Yeah, it is. I'm like my dad, right? And so we are like our Heavenly Father. We're like 
the one who engendered us or brought us forth. We are like that one. But you have to know that. Know that God said it. Yeah, know God said it. If God said it, he doesn't have to yell at you. And when God says it, believe it. It doesn't matter how you feel. And we, we've heard that all our, our salvation life. We, we have heard it doesn't matter how you feel, but we still want to feel it. Now, certainly, when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to be without feeling. I want to feel good, right? But whether I feel good or not, I still know I am. I am a living being. I, I am. And as long as I have breath in my life, I have the ability to overcome what's coming against me. You know? So believe what God says about you. If you don't get anything I've told, talked to you about or told you about love today, believe what God has said about you. Now, one of the reasons I continue to drive these points home week after week or almost week after week, because sometimes I'm gone. But w almost week after week, I'm driving these points home because that spirit of the Antichrist is confronting you and confronting your children. He is. He, this is really big stuff. And, and we sort of, we, we send our children out into these institutions that are increasingly becoming more antichrist. So you need to get them, you need to, you need to require that they go to church. You know, I, I, I've talked to a few teenagers and young people here recently, and I told them, I said, the mistakes that I generally made, that made when I was your age was when I thought I didn't have to go to church. That's, that's, how, that's one, of the, one of the tactics of the Antichrist spirit. All right, let me move on. I'm... Now, he says in verse 5, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. So he says, this Antichrist spirit, the reason it has become so prevalent, prevalent, prevailing, pervasive, everywhere. So the reason it's become that is because that is the spirit of the world. And the people in the world are gravitating to that. They are moving toward that because they are of the world. So the love of God is keeping you out of that sphere. But I fear... He's keeping you out of that sphere, but I fear that many of us are fulfilling what Jesus told us in the parable of the wheat and the tares. One of the greatest pains in my heart is when I see people that I love so dearly, so deeply, having interest in the world system. And their, their roots are tied to tares. They are wheat, but their roots are tied to tares. I believe you can be untied. If you turn toward God with all of your heart 
and stop thinking it is your responsibility to prop up what God is destroying, you will untie. You will untie yourself. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Verse 6, we are of God. Look at the contrast. You've got to see the contrast. You've got to see the contrast. You are not like your unsaved neighbors. You are not like your unsaved neighbors. If you are like your unsaved neighbors, you are not saved. That's very stark, isn't it? Listen to what he says. We are of God. The contrast. We are of God. They're of the world. We're of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. I used to wonder why people weren't listening to me. No, I, I really had some real serious issues. And they're, they're even believers who when sometimes I'm giving a great revelation, we're in company, and I'm giving a great revelation. And they'll turn around and say, hey, what happened to the football game? Craziest thing I've ever seen. And what I've, I've, I've done is I just fold up my little revelation. Because I will not give that which is so holy and precious to those who don't want it. We have to change. It's, it's a strange thing for me to see believers who are shouting and screaming and wanting the world to change when they refuse to change. You can be untied to those tears. <laughs> We're of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By, he said you can differentiate between truth and error because those who refuse you, the words of God that you speak, but accept the words of the world and the false prophets, he said you know who's of God and who's not. So it, it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to walk with Jesus. Listen, let's look at this one. Verse 7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Wonderful scripture. I've read over it maybe a thousand, two thousand times. Enjoyed the surface meaning of it. Beloved, let us love one another. It's the same as let your light shine. Let us love one another is like saying, I have love, so let's just use it. Let, let the love flow. Let the love be expressed, right? Let us love one another, each other, for, why? For love is of God. So love is de Dios, huh? It is of God. It is also de Dios from God. It's both. See, in English, we may, may not get that meaning, maybe or maybe not. But it, in Spanish, you can get it. 
de Dios, of God, from God. De or desde is both. So, what is he saying? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, he's talking about this divine love, this amazing love. When you love selflessly, when you love although you've been wronged, and you keep on loving, you're showing that you keep on trusting. You're not saying that you are an idiot because you love somebody who's mistreating you. Not, I'm not saying love somebody who's pummeling you, you know. I'm saying you can love them by getting away. Get away. Yeah, don't ever let somebody, pastor says, I should love you. No, not that way. Love him by getting out of his sight. Now listen, for lovers of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So when you have this God kind of love, he says you are born of God and you also are intimately acquainted with God. I don't know how, if we really grasp that. I, honestly, I don't. Because when you think about being intimately acquainted with the creator, that ought to do something in you. Really, it ought to move you. Really. I mean, just think about it. If you were to tell me, if you were to say, I know um, the president, I know the governor. If I knew the, the president or the governor, you would think I was somebody. Yeah. Oh, uh, I had dinner with... Uh, with our senators yesterday. Oh, you did? Oh, no. Yeah. But you know what? I had a conversation with the creator this morning. Yeah. And, and I want to tell you, he loves me, really. He really loves me. And he loves me so perfectly that I think that I'm his favorite. Yeah, I, I mean, really, you know, and, and sometimes he has done me like my mom did me. I think I was, I think I told you I was 47 years old or thereabout. I walked into the house. I always knew I was so loved by my mom. You know, I walked in the house and she just looked at me. I love all of my children the same. Oh. <laughs> I tried to act like it didn't stun me, but man, it just like it messed up my day. Yeah, I love all of my children the same way. Why would she do that? I'm 47 years old. She shouldn't have sprung that on me. Sprung that on me at 47. But I, she loved me so wonderfully. I thought, she can't love anybody like she loves me. And this is mom. This is my mom. You know, I know she mothers them, but she's for me. Right? Because she loved me so perfectly. You know, God has done the same, and I felt special. Honestly, I'm not telling you this. not a recent thing. I felt special most of my life. And one day, I was talking to some brother or sister. I don't remember which it was, a man or a woman. But I was talking to somebody, and they gave me a deep revelation from God, and I was so jealous. It's true. It's true. I mean, don't throw rocks at me, but it was true. I thought, why would he give them that and not me? It was so good. I told uh, Brother Stan, who is preaching in another church today, I told Brother Stan, I said, I said, man, I've never been jealous of you except for one time. He said, 
When was that? I said, when you were preaching and you were talking about in Christ and you said, in airplane, in submarine. I said, I was jealous because God should have given that to me because I'm his favorite. <laughs> I feel that way. So I'm saying, God, when you are loved, it, all you have to do is open yourself up to this amazing love of God. You are born of God. God knows you. God knows you. Exercise yourself to that. You know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the most painful things, I believe, is to be in an unloving relationship. And I'm sure that there's somebody in this, in this house today who feels, I'm in an unloving relationship. Oh, I'm not fully loved. But God fully loves you. God fully loves you. You know, I'm going to wrap up. But I remember reading in the book, in the Bible, in the book, yeah, the Bible book. I remember reading in the, in the Bible how Sarah... Abraham's wife conducted herself toward Abraham. He didn't deserve it. Now, now, don't run away. Don't close your ears. He did not deserve it when she loved him so perfectly. Firstly, he was, he, he was uh, acting like a coward or being a coward, and he, he said, don't tell Pharaoh that you're my wife because he'll kill me. So Pharaoh says, I want her, your sister then. Uh, I'm going to take her into my, my harem. I want her. So he let her go in there. I mean, what? Yeah. And she loved him. She still respected him. And she called him, as it were, Sir Lord, but Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he did it not, not once, but twice. How can you love somebody like that? I mean, a 21st century woman wouldn't, right? Oh, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you've been having some pastoral intervention. You know what I'm saying? But she loved, why? Because she was perfectly loved by God. And when you know that you're perfectly loved by God, you don't cause a lot of stress when things don't go right for you. Okay, I'm going to be done. You know, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. That what? We might live through Him. That we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God. This is what God was saying, showing with me some time ago. This is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. Amen. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Our love must be the kind of love wherewith God loved us. Our love for each other must be the selfless love that God had for us. Not that I love those who do right by me, those who treat me well, those who do everything I, I think I need. I love them. 
What about those who don't? God loved enemies. This love that God had for us was demonstrated on the cross. The innocent dying for the guilty. Not for the righteous, for the guilty. The righteous one dying for the unrighteous. The sanctified dying for the unsanctified. Since God loved us in such a selfless way, we must also love in like manner. I want to read a little bit of something before we close in Spanish. And, and I may need a little help. And maybe we can together explain it in, uh, to the English-speaking audience. In my Spanish Bible, the Nueva Versión Internacional, in, um, it's in uh, the First John 4.4, uh, 4. it says, Ustedes, quer oops, I've turned it off. That was not, not the Lord, it was me. Ustedes, queridos hijos, son, son de Dios, y han vencido a esos falsos profetas. Porque el que está en ustedes es más poderoso que el que está en el mundo. The one in you is more powerful, poderoso. Ellos son del mundo, por eso hablan desde el punto de vista del mundo. So they are of the world, so they speak from the point of view of the world. Ellos son del... Uh, I'm sorry, y el mundo los escucha. So the world listens to them because they are of the world and they speak from that point of view. He says, nosotros somos de Dios. We are of God. Y todo el que conoce a Dios nos escucha. So everybody, everybody who knows God listens to us. Pero el que no es de Dios no nos escucha. Así distinguimos entre el espíritu de la verdad y el espíritu del engaño. So in this we distinguish between the two spirits. This, this evil deceptive spirit and the spirit of God. Queridos hermanos, amémonos los unos a los otros. Porque el amor viene de Dios. Y todo, que, todo el que ama ha nacido de él y lo conoce. It says, so, so this love we have, it comes from God, and everyone and the all uh, that loves has been born of God and knows him. El que no ama no conoce a Dios, porque Dios es amor. Así manifestó Dios, su amor entre nosotros. So in this way, God manifested his love among us. En que envió a su Hijo unigenito. Al mundo para que vivamos por medio de él. So, en esto consiste el amor. So, in this, you have the, what love consists of. No en que nosotros, not in that. No, no en que nosotros hayamos amado a Dios. Sino el que él nos amó y envió a su hijo para que fuera ofrecido como sacrificio por el perdón de nuestros pecados. Queridos hermanos, ya que Dios nos ha amado así, también nosotros debemos amarnos los unos a los otros. 
Isn't that good? Can I read a couple of more? So what he's saying is, beloved brethren, uh, already, uh, even now, God has loved us in, in this ma in manner. So also, we ought to love one another. And, and he uses the, 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 the word debemos, which is a, a, the verb deber, means ought to or, or you must. Or you are owed something. You are owed a debt of love. See, we don't quite get that in English, but you owe them to love them. Why? Because God has loved you in that way. Let me read, read uh, maybe two more and then I'm done. Uh, verses 12 and 13. Nadie ha visto jamás a Dios, pero si nos amamos los unos a los otros, Dios permanece entre nosotros. Y entre nosotros su amor se ha manifestado plenamente. So what he's saying is, is that no one has ever seen God, but um, that those, but if we love one another, have love one to the other, God is, becomes permanent in us. He's permanente in us. He, he, he becomes permanent in us. So God is permanently in the believer. He uses that word permanente. Um, and he says, and is among us. His love has manifested or in among us, his love has been manifested fully. So God has not held back any of his love for us. It's been manifested fully. And he asks in verse 13, and this is my last one, ¿Cómo sabemos que permanecemos? Help me with that. Permanecemos en él. ¿Cómo sabemos que permanecemos en él? Y que Él permanece en nosotros. How do we know? How do we know that we are permanently in Him? Permanently in Him. And how do we know that He is permanently in us? He asked. Porque nos ha dado de su Espíritu. Isn't that good? So we know it because He's given us His Spirit. It's powerful. Powerful. He, we know why. Why do we know? Porque nos ha dado de su Espíritu. We know it, that He is permanently in us. Permanently in us. And we are permanently in Him. I like the way, the use of permanecer. Permanecer. To be permanent. I'm going to ask today, if there's anybody here, you came here today and you're not permanently in God and He's not permanently in you. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. You've never accepted Jesus, the Son of God. You've never. If that's you today, if that's you today, if you come to him, he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will save you today and you will be his forever. And then no weapon formed against you will prosper. And the love of God will take you beyond creation and nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If that's you today, raise your hand and say, I want to be saved today. I want to be saved today. Wow. Okay. Super. Nobody. But listen, there are those of us who are saved and we're excited. Oh, super. 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 I see your hand. Wow. Thank you, sir. Wow. Why don't you, 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 you just stand where you are, if you will, if you don't mind. 
and then I want you to come up after the service and I want to shake your hand and bless you. Just pray with me. Father, forgive me of my sins. I re reject them. I renounce them. And I ask you to save me today. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Father, be my Father. Be my Father. And I will be your son forever. Thank you for hearing my prayer and saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow.